Pints and Pies Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Pints and Pies Podcast. Pints and Pies. Look in my eyes. What do you see? It's the pod called Tights and Fights. Sorry it didn't rhyme, everybody. I'm going off the cuff. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the lethal weapon, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, Crash Dandicoot, Danielle Radford. Oh, loving that. That's real good. And the Kelkasaurus, Lindsay Kelk. I would love to say it's the first time I've been called that, but it's not, um, which actually just makes it more special. I love dinosaurs, y'all. Like, I love them. And we're also joined by our special guest. He's a Dan, such a Dan, a real, real Dan's Dan. Dan Sinker, welcome. That really took me by surprise. <laughs> the look on your face. I, this is, I really regret that this is not visual, just processing it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Dan, you were last on the show on March 14th, 2020, 900 years ago, right as the last blissful ignorance went right out the window with wrestling crowds. How have you been? I mean, uh, how does a person answer that question anymore? <laughs> I'm COVID adjusted fine, I guess. Right? <laughs> like any other time, probably not great. But uh, <laughs> what are we? What is it? What is now? What is, what is how are we? <laughs> We're living life with an asterisk right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's true. It is so weird. I remember it very, very clearly because it was my last day in the outside world because mm-hmm. Hal and I were in the studio and Dan called in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we had a huge conversation. Julian and, and Hal and I were like, I wonder if we'll be able to do this next week. Like, what, how will we figure this out? And Hal had a cold because you'd been to like a convention or something. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I'm fine. And we were all like, oh. <laughs> yeah. A convention at which uh, I touched no one and constantly. I know. You know we were I all drinking hand sanitizer. At sat the time. across from you in that pod booth being like, yeah. if you fucking get me, I will. <laughs> and then we're like, hey, Dan. How's it going? Um, I remember it very, very clearly. What a day. Uh, what a time that it's been. Yeah. Oh, I didn't then. do the show because that's when I still had a TV show. Remember that, guys, when I had a TV show? It was pretty fucking dope. Mm-hmm. I say as though I haven't worked on like a million TV shows this year. Shut up, Danielle. When did we figure out the Zoom stuff? I feel like we figured that out pretty right away. A week yeah. later. <laughs> We're doing it a week, literally a week later. Yeah, we did not miss a beat. <laughs> Um, and I think that da- that makes Dan our lucky charm, yeah. surely. This means you're bookending, Dan. You're bookending the dark the dark ages. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I really remember maybe they had canceled a SmackDown mm-hmm. at that point, but I don't think mm-hmm. there had been a full announcement mm-hmm. of, hey, we are shifting gears here. But we were all sort of like... Are we t- are we celebrating the last <laughs> week of wrestling with fans? And it turned out we were. The thing that I had done just pre-pandemic, like the last big thing before just sort of running around the Chicago area buying toilet mm-hmm. paper for two weeks, was um, we went to Revolution in Chicago in 2020. Uh, you know, it was 10,000 person crowd. It was the very end of February. We knew the pandemic was happening in other places, but it really hadn't quite reared its head here. And so we, it was me and my wife and our teenage son, 
and we each armed ourselves with a little tiny bottle of hand sanitizer that we just used constantly <laughs> throughout the night. And we were like, well, we're good. And now everybody's hands have been turned into distressed leather over the last two years from all of the. Yeah. And it turned out we didn't need to the whole time. Yeah. Didn't matter. None of it mattered. Yeah. What have you been watching in the meantime? Is it all this time at home with everybody? Is it Has it made it harder to watch wrestling? Has it made it easier to, to watch wrestling together? What's, what's it been like? How's your wrestling watching patterns changed? I'm trying to remember if we had made the switch to AEW fully by then. I think so. So we are pretty much mm. just an AEW family. Mm. Me and my wife and our teenage son all sit and watch it. Dynamite religiously. Rampage most of the time. But certainly less, um, you know, got to make sure we see it. In a two-year period where sometimes knowing what day of the week it was, having something that fell always on a Wednesday, it was like, well, at least we know that day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you can use context clues for the rest of it. Exactly. At that point, it's sort of like before Dynamite or after Dynamite, and then we'll go from there. Well, in our main event, we're going to talk about your article for Esquire on the return of CM Punk, which is... Fantastic. If we'll, we'll link to it in case you haven't read it, but we're also going to talk about it so, to get you excited. But let's talk about AEW Revolution. When you watched this past Revolution, what kind of changes have you seen over the last two years? What's evident in that show that tells you like it's grown or it's evolved or it's finding itself? What are you seeing? I thought one of the things that was interesting about this Revolution, certainly very different than 2020s, but every single thing came in with a story, you know, like... AEW has often had, you know, I mean, their pay-per-views are almost always excellent, but there's mm-hmm. a certain level of like, well, this match is cool, but other than it being cool, you know, why is it here? But every single thing came in with a pretty compelling story that they were telling and that they told then through the match. And um, that made it that much more sort of a compelling watch for me. Is there anything that you would put above the CM Punk MJF story in terms of how it developed and how it paid off? I mean, that's a high bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very high bar. Um, I really enjoyed the tag match. And while I feel like the sort of Red Dragon, Young Bucks, will they, won't they, do they like each other, do they not like each other, is maybe a bit of a muddled story. I thought it played out nicely in the ring. Like it was a fun little side story in what was already going to be an excellent match. Lindsay, what was the big highlight for you? Uh, yeah, like Dan, I really did like the tag match mm-hmm. and agreed on the storytelling. Um, I mean, that's something we've talked about over and over and over. Is like, that's my jam. It's the thing that's been, I mean, apart from other things, which I'm going to be a positive person today because the world is falling apart, you guys. So I'm like, <laughs> let's just look at the good stuff. Yeah. But the storytelling has always been the thing that's been hard for me that's been missing because that's what I love is the way back when stories. I thought the tag match did a good job of that. I was a little bit worried because I'm like, the champions are Jurassic Express and I don't want them to be sacrificed yeah. for the sake of putting the Bucks and Red Dragon over. Right. Jungle Boy's just such a star. So he holds his own. I feel like I'm like, I'm so proud of that kid. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm so fucking proud of that kid. But I really did enjoy it just as a fun match. I think that would be a really good intro match for people who don't know much about mm. AEW. I think it does everything it says on the tin. So I thought that was really great. Um, and I, the CM Punk mjf obviously but again it's the multiple layers of storytelling it's not just cm punk 
telling his story from Ring of Honor from the Indies onwards. It's also an MJF Wardlow story. It's also an MJF origin story. It did so much. And I say that as someone who like found it deeply uncomfortable to watch as a match in general because I don't like that much bleeding for that much time. Mm -hmm. He only has so much blood, you guys. It's not an infinite resource. I also just, I mean, obviously Regal, Regal all day, Regal all day, Regal all night. That was a big moment for, for me. I'm wearing my Regal t-shirt because yes, I bought it the moment it went on Pro Wrestling Tees because I'm like, <laughs> get daddy a pension. So I bought his t-shirt and I love him and I was excited to see him back. I think Wardlow's been one of the pleasant surprises of AEW. There's so many big guys you bring in who are the heater to the cocky chicken shit heel or, or cocky heel or, or whatever. They're good to varying degrees. You know, for every diesel, there's a bunch of people who are not diesel. And I, Wardlow's really fun to watch in the ring. He's obviously great That was really cute athlete. how you didn't say Omos, but yeah. still, carry on. I didn't. I was going to. I was going to. But he's still no, young. Um, he's still he's, he's very he's green. He's still young and still terrible. I, I really liked Wardlow's promo on Dynamite. After years of giving, it is my turn to take, and I want it all. So as of right now, I am letting everyone know all elite wrestling is officially Wardlow's world. I guess I'd never thought about how good he was on the mic, and he's great. Yeah, for real. Very good at establishing his character, who he is, what he's about. The whole development of of their separation has been great, but him having a shot on the mic for the first time and them wisely staying away from making it all about MJF, that's the biggest pitfall you can you can get into when you're splitting a tandem up, is one of them's going to be obsessed with the other, and then that becomes their whole personality. And what do you do with them after? Well, and MJF can shoulder that. I feel like MJF is strong enough that he can afford to carry that obsession for a while. If he wants sure. to be the one obsessed with Wardlow, that will mm-hmm. only build Wardlow. But Wardlow has to be the one who's like, oh my God, why are you so obsessed with me? He has yes. to be the Regina George of this of mm-hmm. this situation. Yes. Um, sorry, Max has got to go Katie. But, you know, I don't want to mix up my Mean Girls metaphors. It's early. It's early <laughs> in the day. <laughs> Danielle, what did you think? Co-signing everything that y'all said, those were all great moments. Um, That Regal moment was like, super like touched my heart. And it won't be that long, let's face facts. Probably in the next, I don't know, till I'm 65, 12 years till the wife's pushing me to the sunny window so I can look out while a bit of toast is dripping out of my mouth. Because I know that I'm not long for this world. Too many empty bottles, thousands of them and a few broken hearts, sweetheart. I love Regal and I think that he's nothing but a benefit to any organization. I think that for all of the people there, just like sit under the learning tree. Like it's amazing that they have that resource in a, in a William Regal. I really enjoyed Cargill versus uh, Ty Conti. That entrance. That entrance. Was like a billion dollar entrance. Yeah. Amazing. And you're really starting to see that like Jade is really starting to like come into her own. Yeah, there's still some stuff that's shaky, but she has, again, only been wrestling for like a year. So we're going to give her uh, we're going to give her uh, all the props for being able to come as long as uh, as far as she has. You're saying that Jade is a little green. Uh, (laughs) I did. I did like that. She wore the Jade from Mortal Kombat gear. I have to mention this. Everybody's gear was like way too small. 
all of it was way too small at the AEW. And it's, no, it wasn't just her, because she did visibly pick a wedgie like while the camera was on her. And I'm like, queen shit, right? Like, I don't give a fuck. You go be comfortable. You got to do some wrestling. But like, I believe like MJF's tights were like slipping and everybody was getting super wedged up. And I don't know if it's the cut of the tights or the material, because I doubt that everyone like just suddenly gained five pounds in the time that those tights I came I would in. like to see the corporate memo that went out that was like, whatever sizing they give you, take off two inches because this is the sexy show now. Like, that's what we're going to do. We're going right up everyone's butt. Because yeah. you got to differentiate yourself, man. Yeah. Like, we're in a post-Cody era. So the post-Cody era is tiny, tiny panties. All tiny panties. And Let's it wasn't like, it. it was a bunch of them. I didn't even, like, I was going to write it all down. And then I was like, well, now it just looks like I'm a perv looking for butts. Um, instead, of, <laughs> instead of naturally letting the butts come to me, as one does. That was, like, one of my biggest, because you know me, I always look for the funny thing. And that was my thing where I was like, they got to figure out, like, they got to get some of that double-sided tape or do something. Also, I agree with Kelk. Little too much blood for my taste, especially during there was a couple of moments where they were clearly trying to hard way. And I was like, oh, ap- especially not that. Can you especially not do that one if you're going to do it? I'm so over blood. I've been over blood for a very long yeah. time. It feels like it happens way too often. I know I was, but I was never like a super blood guy. Like I didn't think it added that much to matches except for very, very special occasions. And when it's Christmas every day, it's never Christmas. That's how I feel about it. That's, I feel like it's Christmas every day now. It feels like it's too much. Yeah, it, as just gallons of blood was pouring out of punk, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a moment where I was like, okay, well, this is a lot. But, you know, it, it makes, <laughs> like, it's making a point. And then, like, uh-huh. this is the big one. And then I suddenly, in my head, I'm like, wait, the whole Moxley-Danielson matches about how they bleed together so we're gonna have that you know and so then Mm -hmm. suddenly mox is bleeding i'm like well this feels like a lot now and then i'm (laughs) like wait they haven't done the like three-way with sting which is clearly gonna end up with someone bleeding you know and it's like okay Mm -hmm. maybe time that out a little more if somebody's like guess what i have eaten an entire bottle of aspirin and i'm gonna bleed it out all over the (laughs) ring (laughs) like be like okay everyone else dial it back yeah just take it in turns. Maybe one person per show. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And maybe like Punk shouldn't have been gushing from five minutes into a 27 minute match. Yeah. Does he need a sit down? Has someone got a cookie and some sweet tea for that man? Because you only give a little bit when you give blood and they're like desperate to give you that cookie. So I need to know that he had like a whole bag of cookies backstage. Like it just <laughs> looked so uncomfortable. He was doing the full carry. Full yes. carry. Yes. Yep. Full carry. And there was a lonely Cody Rhodes at home who busted himself open just so he could feel like he was contributing to the business. He got Brandy to do it. Come on. (laughs) I will say the believability of their blade jobs has definitely increased with Cody leaving. Yes. (laughs) Bless him. It wasn't his finest finest skill. Well, it's also, I think it's hard when you're trying to go into the hairline and you've got that like blonde hair. I think it's like harder. Truly. This has been a a couple of weeks where titles have been on the move. Finn Balor has become the US champion. Ricochet is the new IC champion. Dolph Ziggler won a triple threat on NXT to become the NXT champion. And Scorpio Sky is your new TNT champion. Uh, Is there just something in the water? (laughs) Feels like a lot of title changes happening real close to major events. Feels like that time of year, you guys. It feels like that time of year. I mean... The Ricochet's a storyline title switch, and I know they've been sort of pushing him more, and it frees up Sami Zayn for his match with Johnny Knoxville. I actually enjoyed Johnny Knoxville's promo 
<laughs> backstage. So yesterday, Sami Zayn got my personal phone number and was texting and stalking me all day. So today, for my birthday, I am flying his phone number over Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, 407-574-1532. See you at WrestleMania, schnookums. Mwah, mwah. That'll be dumb fun. And also, Sami Zayn looks more and more like a Muppet as his hair grows out. <laughs> he just looks like Dr. Teeth's son. He's definitely turned into something, but I'm here mm. for it. Did you see, did you all see his Instagram with his text chain with Mr. Knoxville, which just Sammy seems like he's having a grand old time. Really and I does. assume it's because they've removed the Paul brothers from his general vicinity, which mm-hmm. would make me happy too. But I, I love to see people enjoy their work. So I like this for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't even hate Dolph Ziggler as the NXT champ. I feel like it gives him something to do. Gives him something to do, gives Bobby Roode something to do, uh, gives everyone something to do. I watched the match. Um, As we know, I don't don't really check in on NXT Mm -hmm. for a whole two hours every week because I can't spend an extra two hours of my week throwing my arms up in the air. And that's not like the song. Just being like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) What the fuck is this? But I did watch that match and I really enjoyed it. It was really another another example of watching someone do what they do best and watching Dolph Dolph. Mm-hmm. At peak Dolphood is is a great time, and I I thought Champa looked like he was really going for it. They really elevated Braun. I I think they they bring out better work in him, and if he's moving up as rumor says he is, he needs that crash course in how to be fucking great. And if someone was going to teach me how to be fucking great, I would take Champa and Dolph Ziggler as my as my teachers. Admittedly, I don't watch NXT a lot, and I will say about that match, it was the most lit championship match in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. Just the time. amount of pure light focused <laughs> on that small room, which I think is the same size as my one bedroom apartment, was was amazing. I I I don't know who a lot of these people are. Some of them I sort of keep track of, but this Chase University, the guy who runs Chase University, <laughs> was the funniest segment. Of him just giving the middle finger to people, throwing basketballs at people. Mr. Chase, Bodie's eyes looking pretty bad. Don't you think you should get it checked out? Oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. But when did you graduate and become a doctor? Bodie's fine. How many fingers am I holding up? One, Mr. Chase. How about you, Jimmy? How many fingers am I holding up? You don't come in my classroom and question me, you disrespectful piece of I'll beat the ever-living out of you. I was immediately interested in seeing more of those segments, which that's impressive. I didn't think I would enjoy anything in NXT at that level anymore. It is wild to think it? about like <laughs> that the NXT situation is now at a level of like, well, the title, I'm at least glad they've given someone something to do. You know, yeah. like that is a, yeah. Yeah, it's yes. a super huge bummer. Yeah, It is yeah. wild how quickly it happened, how it went from being my absolute must-see, will-not-miss, one thing I had to catch every single week, cared about every single person on the roster, was invested in every single storyline, could do no wrong, to literally me going like, who's this guy? Like, literally, like, my granddad watching Dirty Dancing with me when I was 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just intermittently coming into the room, pointing at the screen and going, what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. Oh, he's got some good moves. And then leaving the room again because you just don't care. And it it obscures stuff on the show that's actually good. Like LA Knight, Grayson Waller was really good. Casey and Caden are actually a really good tag mm. team. And that that uh, semifinals match was really good. 
in, to the point where you weren't sure who was going to win? Or EO is still like one of the very few people who I will tune in to see what EO is doing because yeah. EO Shirai can can still do no wrong. I just hate that she's stranded there. So there there is good stuff going on there, but I just think it's they chose to go in whatever direction they're going. <laughs> Yeah, and, and some folks like it, and like I think that that's dope, and I'm glad that yeah. there is some kind of wrestling for everyone. For me, yeah, like I watch it uh, still, like when I can, but it's also one where mm-hmm. it's like I'm mostly gonna catch like the highlights at this point. I'm not necessarily gonna watch the entire show, but there's also like yeah. you know yeah. there's like what 48 hours of wrestling a week, so it is just nuts that they changed it in response to AEW, and from what I can tell, the bulk of the people that I know that used to watch NXT and that I know loved NXT who didn't necessarily watch AEW before, all it did was spur them on to go and try out AEW. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. you backfired, guys. You backfired. I would love to know what the what the numbers are on the new version and what their demographic breakdown is. That's information I could have found for myself, but I didn't, so... You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't really want to know, right? Kind of, because, like, you know I find the business of it all fascinating. You know mm-hmm. how desperate mm-hmm. I am to see Tony's tax returns. I want to see what that company's... Profit PL looks like. But I'm also just very curious with the NXT thing. My brain, especially after the last two years, is capable of some spectacular mental gymnastics. I can justify, even if I don't believe or agree with it, I can get to most people's point of view, even if I'm morally and ethically deeply diametrically opposed to it. But with like NXT, I'm like, what you doing? What you doing over there? It's like watching a cat, like, just fucking around with something, and I can't see what it's fucking around with, so I can't really see what its end game is. Like, I don't I know what the end game is. It's to get black Twitter talking about all them thick ladies, and it is working. (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow. (laughs) If I thought that was literally Vince's memo on his desk underneath the T-Rex head, I would be fucking ecstatic. It is every week. Every week they debut a new thick lady and black Twitter can't stop talking about it. It is amazing. (laughs) Well, also amazing. As one last note from the week, it'd be weird not to talk about Jeff Hardy along with everybody's favorite public domain entrance song making its AW debut, thus ending the worst kept secret in all of wrestling. It's exciting. It was fun watching the fans there go like, what? It's happening! But also, I hope that Jeff is okay. It feels like a real bad situation to be like, here, come back on television and and wrestle a lot. So I just I'm I'm concerned for him as a person, but I don't know I don't I don't know what's really going on I just feels like a feels like this won't end well. This is one of those ones where it's like I there's a lot of like uh, speculation and I know that like some people have said like oh well like WWE didn't even like they like they fired him before like the results of his test came back and all this other stuff so like who knows what's going on I do know that like. Right. Even if it's not his previous problems, it's still a problem if you have someone who's just like, I'm just going to leave in the middle of this match. Like, that's not great. But, you know, here he is. He's working with his brother again. He's got obviously like a great, seems like, a you know, some good support people uh, in AEW. My biggest concern, because like I don't know about any of the other personal life stuff, but if I'm booking things, I would just be like, well, you can't just leave in like the middle of a match, dude. 
And then to go through the crowd with no security, like now you're putting things at risk. Like that would be what I would be like super most concerned about right now. But no, it was great. He took his time to do his little, uh, you know, uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man three dance on the way to go save his brother, which was always nice. Um, You probably could have ran down the ramp, but go ahead and take your flowers. And while uh, Matt gets his ass kicked. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, he was twice as fast as Sting and Darby Allen were, who really just sort of (laughs) lounged their way down to the ring. It's a real meander. It's a real meander. Yeah. Yeah. One working hip between the three of them. It was kind of wild to see Sting and Jeff Hardy in a ring together. It was. It was really wild. Oh, yeah. It was really wild. And Jeff did that little, like, uh, like a small little prayer hands to, like, Sting. Like a little tiny one. I don't yeah. think it was meant for really yeah. like the audience. The Steven Seagal. Meant, yeah. I think it was meant for them. <laughs> the but like that Seagal. was nice. That was a little nice moment. Yeah, it is really, if anything, if I thought anything was going to keep Jeff from coming to AEW, it would have been the influence of Sting. But maybe Sting's also a like live and let live. If you can prove yourself, then people deserve second chances or blah, 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 whatever. Like maybe that's like his vibe. Because if it was me, I'd be like, I will never be in a ring with that person again. Yeah. My hope is that both, Jeff and Matt recognize that their time is very limited, you know, and Mm -hmm. that they just want to go out together. You know, I mean, I think it was I just read something that like Matt re-signed and Jeff signed at the same time. Right. And that they've linked their contracts deals or something. They've done like, yeah, yeah. just I think that AEW generally has actually been quite good with the older stars that they bring in. You know, they they seem to know how to use them pretty well. Mm. And so. My hope is they they get a little bit more of the sting treatment than just a, you know, all right, now you're in the tag scene, go for it, you know, and yeah. that ladder match. They can have a final run, they can go out on the terms that they want to go out on, and that they Jeff with his own personal demons and Matt with his sort of half working body can then just uh you know And eighteen children. I mean Matt's got like a bunch of kids yeah. to worry about yeah. now. Yeah. And the main thing that where I, I'm pleased for them is they have Reby. Yeah. They have Reby in their corner. And mm-hmm. I just feel if anyone's going to take control of this shit, it's, it is that woman. It is yeah. Rebecca Hardy. She is not going to allow nonsense to occur <laughs> on her watch, I think, at this point. It sounds so awful because you're wrestling a, a, an industry that's well known for knowing when its time is up. Yeah. I want it to go well for everyone yeah. involved. Well, for and literally quickly. every human. And, and, and in, yeah. in a way that like preserves their legacy and not in a way where it's like, ah, oh, that's how you're going out. Yeah. Huh? So legacy and legs, yeah. both of yeah. those things, all joints in working order. That would be amazing. Are you going to preserve your legacy with all your joints in working yep. order? Tell us about it at our Facebook group. Plus, you can hear more about what we thought about wrestling on our Twitter pages. Find both in our show notes. When we come back, we're talking all about CM Punk. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Most game shows quiz contestants about topics they don't even care about. But for 100 episodes, the Go Fact Yourself podcast has asked celebrity guests trivia about topics they choose for themselves. And introduced them to some of their personal heroes along the way. Oh my gosh. Shut up. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. Oh my stars. <laughs> it's so, so exciting to meet you. Join me, J. Keith Van Stratton. And me, Helen Hong, along with special guests DJ Jazzy Jeff and Faith Saley, plus some amazing surprise experts on the 100th episode of Go Fact Yourself. And join us twice a month, every month, for new episodes of Go Fact Yourself here on Maximum Fun. Tyson Bites Podcast. 
Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. And... Dan Sinker. Time to give one corner of the wrestling world some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to... Anal bleeding. What? Whoa! Uh, Holy shit! WWE Dynamite. I hate ducks! On a hard fart victory. Live, Hal. What? Mm, There it is. CM Punk has been back in wrestling for just over six months now. Dan, tell us about how you chronicled Punk's life and career that led him to his AEW journey in your new Esquire piece. I've wanted to do an article about wrestling for a while. You know, I feel like as a longtime wrestling fan, it doesn't get the respect it deserves in non-wrestling pieces. You know, it's always sort of funny sideshow or that sort of thing. And so I really wanted to be able to to write a piece about wrestling that was that leaned into the sort of human stories that I think is is what really compels all of us. And when Punk debuted or re-debuted in AEW and just kind of seeing the the emotion that hit him, the emotion that hit the fans, I realized that I, you know, I think that this is the piece. I think this is a thing that I can tell. Like, I'm from Chicago. I'm from the punk scene in Chicago. Like, the number of overlaps between me and and him are, are pretty good. I, I thought I probably knew somebody that knew some, you know, that knew him. So there might be an in. And it was a really compelling story. You know, I think at its core, it's a story about, like, loving a thing and having that thing nearly kill you and leave it, you know? And then the the story about how you come back to it after, you know, is to me just like such a really interesting human story. And it just happens to be a wrestling story. Yeah, I, I kind of love how it takes things that we have heard or are aware of in the, in the punk timeline to him returning to AEW and fills it in with more detail and, and more personal touches. How difficult was it to, you know, you mentioned I I might know somebody who give me access to Punk so I could even see about this. Do you have to get that stuff together before you pitch it? Say I've got access to him to to speak or is is Esquire ready to go? What What's your process there? I figured out that I did know someone that knew him, mm-hmm. but I also knew that I couldn't use her to get to him directly, you know? So, but it felt right. like, okay, if I can work this, I think I can get there. So pitching at Esquire, I've been writing for Esquire for the last few years, mostly like my main beat for the last two years has been COVID and being a parent. So it was, sort yeah. of, it was like, here's a left field pitch for you. Here's this guy, like he just re-debuted. I think I pitched them in early September. So it was like right after he had debuted, you know, it's a big deal. I think there's a bigger story here. And I think it's a, a, a much more universal story than it than it seems on its at its core. So they gave me a tentative green light, and then I turned around to to AEW and reached out through their kind of official channels. But in that pitch, sort of name dropped that I knew this one person, right? And so about a week later, I hadn't heard anything, and then I got a text from that person who was like, so someone just asked about you. And I'm like, okay, good. Like, <laughs> the pitch got through. He read it enough to then go and do some due diligence, you know? You know, me and him ended up talking three or four different times for, you know, a few hours, for about an hour each time. And then, you know, he kind of connected me with a few people that were, have been with him, especially during this kind of the seven year gap between the two companies. 
and yeah, then just kind of kept going from there. The thing for me that was interesting was basically CM Punk's time in the WWE almost precisely mirrors the period of time that I did not watch the WWE. So mm-hmm. I stopped in 07 after Chris Benoit murdered his family. I was like, mm-hmm. I think I'm done now. <laughs> like I just lived through Eddie Guerrero dying, this horrible yeah. thing. I think I'm oh, done with yeah, wrestling. That was a really, yeah. And then I came back when my, my teenager got interested in middle school. And so we started watching again. So it was sort of pretty much mirrored that time. So there was a lot of like learning like really going deep into that run. Certainly I I knew about him and I knew about that, but kind of, you know, the first part of the research was really diving into that time to kind of understand him contextually, which Lindsay was a very helpful quote for as well. Yes, there's a great great Lindsay quote in there that actually Mm -hmm. CM Punk mentioned himself. Noted noted young lady. Yeah, young lady. Noted young lady. (laughs) Two years as junior. Uh, noted young lady, Lindsay Kalk. There was a quote in the Esquire uh, piece from me. I think it was uh, from a young lady named Lindsay Kelk. And she said that, uh, you know, you knew when The Undertaker was done, he was changing out of his gear and he was getting in a car and he was driving home or whatever. And you can't really, because you can't really picture that guy in the top hat, you know. Um, but CM Punk was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of you, and when I win, you win. Yeah. Thank you. When you're when you're speaking to CM Punk, I get two impressions of him. One is a guy who's willing to talk about anything and just sort of lay it all out. The other is a really guarded guy who is maybe not interested in opening up to everybody about everything. How easy was it to get? what you needed from him over the course of those three or four sessions. He was both of those things. You know, Mm -hmm. he would talk at length about, you know, especially about leaving WWE and that sort of thing. And then if you tried to kind of get him to talk feelings or, or, uh, you know, dig in a little bit below the surface on kind of where he was mentally at different times, it became a whole different conversation. There were multiple times where, you know, especially when you're going back, second time, third time to, to a source who doesn't have to give you the time of day, you know, um, that I kept expecting them to say, no, you know, there was a, there was a time where I'd gotten a kind of a series of notes from my editor and they were really drilling into some, some harder things. And I was like, well, I think I can maybe just like a lot of these are yes and no. I'll send an email and really stressed this stuff's yes or no. And I didn't hear back and I didn't hear back and I didn't hear back. And finally, I was like, fuck, I think we lost this. And then the, you know, their publicist was like, you know, he'd rather just answer this over the phone. I was like, okay, I wouldn't, but that sounds fine. (laughs) 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 So as someone who didn't watch his initial run, now that you are are a regular AEW watcher, you've seen him debut here, you've seen his run so far. How does it measure up to all the things that you've ever heard or, you know, gone back and watched, not having experienced it. Now you're experiencing it in real time. How is that different than sort of going back and studying film? I mean, to me, I think it's interesting because it feels like this MJF program is really the first real program. You know, like the up until now, it's sort of been the reunion tour, you know, where it's like get out, get cheers, make the crowd feel amazing, you know, have a showcase match with someone fun, you know, Um but this feels like, okay, now we're getting it. 
you know, like now we're seeing not only, um, you know, not only a program that lasts more than a week or two, which is really all he had done before in AEW, but we're also seeing the kind of like layered storytelling, the, you know, the beats and changes and that sort of thing that I think, I think everyone was sort of expecting from the get go. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see it finally not only unfold, but I mean, it really was an incredible wrestling angle for weeks and weeks with twists and turns and everything else. So it's fun to see. I feel like I've been asking all the questions, so I want to let Danielle jump in. I, I knew sit, you were going to do sit. that because you always like, right, this is the point in any interview where Hal's like, can you, do you want to ask No, no, because I, I could sit and talk to Dan for like 40 more hours about this. But I could sit and listen to you and Hal, like you and Dan talk about this. <laughs> I just, I feel bad. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, I don't mean to break up the flow no, here. I right. just was like. Sorry, Dan, we're big fans. And it's such a yeah. fun story to listen to. We've had hot chicken together. There's no going back. It's true. <laughs> Well, you only had medium chicken. Yeah, I did. I couldn't do the hot. You did the hot chicken. Yeah, Wasn't love that that's hot. not a euphemism. Like, literal nope. hot chicken. Ah, uh, it is now. Will be. <laughs> hot chicken and milkshake. Give, give me time. Hot bam. chicken with Hal Loveland coming this fall. <laughs> that's my, yeah. that's my First we feast. Hot chicken. <laughs> I talked to people I met at a restaurant and asked them ten questions while we sweat and go to the bathroom. Well, yeah, so we're talking about Punk and like where he is in his career and in, in, in this program. Do you see, um, as someone who has gotten to obviously like talk, spend a lot of time talking to him and as someone who um, is an AEW fan and, and does have like this deep well of knowledge of wrestling, do you think that this is also kind of a farewell tour as well? Do you think this is going to be one of those ones where he's in it for like two years and then he skadoots? Or do you think that they're gonna, he's going to try to get like another five years out of this? I would gut having talked to him that this is he knows his time in the ring is short, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know that it means his his relationship with AEW will be short though. You know, I think that you know, one of the things that in talking with him, especially in talking with his friend Lou, like there's such an interest on on Punk's part about all these younger wrestlers and how to kind of help them and not just sort of the, the normal kind of help them that older wrestlers do by beating them in a ring. Right. But instead (laughs) it does seem like there is a, a real want to kind of help people not only develop their career, but sort of navigate what is a really hard business, you know? And so I wouldn't be overly surprised. And this, again, this is just entirely speculation, has nothing to do with any part of any interview. But I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck around and helped book or to help, you know, somehow be involved behind the scenes, even when he feels like maybe he's done, um, you know, being in front of the camera. Could you see him going over to a ring of honor now that it is? I mean, that Tony seems like the, the the really interesting thing. Now there's this new toy in the box, yeah. you know, and yeah. who's going to get to play with it and who isn't. And um, I mean, certainly watching that media scrum with him where he literally just broke down in tears talking about Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. you certainly certainly seems like a natural fit. And it seems as though he's very close to Mr. Khan. Yeah. Seems like they have a very close relationship uh, with each other, which is interesting. Yeah, one of on the uh, one of the lines got cut from the Esquire piece. So the first meeting that he and Tony Khan had in person was the day after Christmas in Chicago, in um, 
I want to say 2019, whatever January AEW's existence was announced. They met, you know, mm-hmm. the day after Christmas, right before that in Chicago. And the, the line in the, uh, like, you know, it was snowing. I looked up the weather that day. It was snowing in Chicago. You know, it was like cold, but not anything. And the line that got cut was, you know, you almost want one of them to get whipped cream on their nose and the other one to wipe it off. You know, it was sort of like, felt like a rom-com moment. Um, yeah, they, I clearly in talking with both of them, they haven't they have an incredible amount of respect for each other you know like that you know like it comes through beyond just sort of the surface level like clearly um you know in talking with tony he wanted punk involved from the beginning and wanted him involved at a you know at a deeper level than just just talent 40 years from now we're gonna hear uh tony khan talk about punk the way that vince does about the undertaker he just like i can't do that there is a weird and you mentioned it very briefly in the article and it makes no sense to delve into it further there but there's a weird sliding doors moment that the pandemic broke up which was punk's return to wwe programming yeah even though he had even though he had to deal with fox as a as a host or a commentator on backstage and it seemed like at the time this is him dipping his toe back into the water to see if he even in, is comfortable in that situation and immediately when he's on television programming that has anything to do with wwe you go well does this mean there could be a return to the ring was there any indication there that that could have happened or, or was it just you were just chronicling something that happened because that to me is seems like the pandemic one of the, the last trip i took before the pandemic hit was to pensacola and one of the last people uh, the last show business people I saw was Booker T, who was getting ready to fly back home to have like a day before he flew out to do backstage, and then that show was was canceled. But that felt like it was it was turning into something bigger than it ever became, and and maybe one of the silver linings of everything shutting down was it gave Punk a chance to to walk away from that and and do what I think was a way better choice for him in the long run, but. Do you have any thoughts on that? On, on Yeah, whether... we didn't get into that in any level of detail, but I will say right. just in the way he talks about the WWE, like I can't sure. imagine that uh, that the conversation would have gone very far. You know? <laughs> like, there is... Still such a wild choice for me that he mm-hmm. even did backstage. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is, like you said, when I read the article, it's the one thing where I'm like, Obviously, most of the people reading your spectacular article, which they should all rush out and buy or read online right now, but let's yes. buy it because magazines, yay. Also, the photos are amazing. The photos they are, are amazing. The physical copy for the photos. Yeah. Holy cow. They are incredible. But it's the one thing where as a as a you know student of punk, as like a longtime fan, that it is the one point in everything he did, like the acting, the UFC, like the comics, all of it that made sense to me from everything I knew about him and having listened to all of his many podcast interviews and all of his stuff, the one thing that just never made sense was backstage. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess we'll never know. I, I mean, guess it, we'll if you think know. about it in the context of kind of the other announcing stuff that he was doing and commentary stuff he was doing at the time, like clearly that was an avenue that he wanted to pursue. I just think mm-hmm. as someone who is motivated by spite even more than me like <laughs> that man bears a grudge oh, and yeah. i respect it i have nothing but respect for it as my mother used to say we forgive we don't forget yeah. i am from a dark people but 
like he doesn't forgive or forget no. which is why it just to even see his name next to it was just always so jarring for me which it, i think it's going to be a fascinating story for him to tell one day if he ever decides to write a book and, and cash in more that, but until that day read the esquire article that people. aspect of him never forgiving or forgetting was definitely like as the piece kept going and like my work on it kept going i was like boy i hope he likes this <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be really got some good news for you Dan. my time is going scrum. like i will have a very uncomfortable few weeks if he does not i think you know yeah. um but yeah thankfully he did yeah no it's 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 wild i'm um, just i have one more question about the stuff that you went back to watch um having missed his wwe run was there anything in that run when you went back to it that you especially enjoyed? Um, did you watch any of it with your kid? Did he as- enjoy any of it, being a, an AEW? You know, it's actually fun. Uh, we watched the um, we watched the WWE-produced documentary uh, all together, yep. um, mm-hmm. which was, you know, which was a good primer for them telling a story, you know, and, and kind yep. of finding yep. the, the little bits and pieces in between. The thing that I liked watching the most was the entire program with the undertaker and the urn like the paul bearers urn being a major plot point in it and his Mm -hmm. ashes and then that wrestlemania match is just incredible i would say of everything i mean there's certainly you know the match with cena and you know i mean there there are a number of really good matches but that was the one that really surprised me because it was not something I knew a ton about and was just an amazing series of stories to watch kind of unfold in in a wonderful wrestling way. Yeah, the uh, uh, the pipe bomb is actually what brought me back into wrestling because I had been taking some years off. A big part of it was because like I didn't like the regression of the Divas division. So the pipe bomb was what brought me back. And mostly it was because I was watching it be covered by all of these like major news outlets as though it was real. And I was like, oh, well, I got to see this. I got to I got to watch the man who worked Jim Rome. Like, <laughs> like that, I, I've got to watch this. And so that kind of like brought me back. What did you think about the pipe bomb? I mean, it's an amazing piece of storytelling, right? Like the especially in an era where there is where it's fully acknowledged that everything we're watching is planned, right? Like that to have a moment that you are just sitting there going, is this or isn't this real, you know, is I think just a crowning achievement in wrestling nowadays where you allow everyone to suspend disbelief and and to produce a work that not only does it suspend disbelief for, you know, a few minutes, but for years and years and years, people will still debate how much was real, how much was not, you know, um, Mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. It's so hard to do it now. You hardly ever see it. I'm trying to think of modern versions of it. The only thing I can think of even vaguely recently, and it hasn't even paid off into anything as yet is the Becky Charlotte stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whether and they've because they've spoken, and that's because they've spoken about it outside of the ring, which is what makes you question it, you know. And even then, I don't know how much of that is real and how much of that is just maybe they thought they were going to have a mania match, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> maybe it was before they got Rhonda to come back. Yeah, uh, let's never speak mm. her name. Let's just <laughs> she who shall not be named. But, Double R. Yeah, yeah. But wild. I just it, it is insane that it is so long ago now, and yeah. yet it remains that iconic turning point in the industry. Yeah. 
And it seems like Punk will be in AEW and distorting reality for as long as he wants to wrestle. And if you want to share how you felt about his run, you can do it on our Facebook page via the links in the show notes. When we come back, we've got three things from wrestling that we want to share with you. Plus one. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Hi, Maximum Fun. It's me, James Arthur M. from Minority Corner. Okay, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Bad news, Minority Corner, after seven years and 340 episodes, we are wrapping up our show. I know, I know, but hey, good news, good news is, that means we must have solved racism and homophobia and sexism and equality and equity for all. Yay! No, no, we didn't. Well, I'd like to think at least that we are better off than when we started seven years ago. So, don't worry, we might be saying goodbye, but our episodes will live on in the podcast airwaves forever. Or until the internet crashes and burn, whatever comes first. Minority Corner, the final episodes right here on Maximum or wherever you get your podcast, Minority Corner, because together we're the majority. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by Danielle Radford and Lindsay, Lindsay Kelk. You sure? I'm so keen. <laughs> Lindsay Kelk. <laughs> and Dan Sinker. This week, we're going to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is the four count. Four. Dan, you're our guest. What would you like to put over? Lindsay mentioned it a little bit, but I just want to put over the Jurassic Express. They Mm -hmm. are an absolute joy to watch. Every single time I see them wrestle, it feels like they have something new. You know, I've never seen a team clearly practice more from week to week and continually kind of innovate and try new things and especially try how can we do things together that, you know, that they are incredible. It's so fun to watch them finally have the belts for a while. I hope they keep them on them for, you know, a good amount of time. It seems like they're spinning Red Dragon and Young Bucks off to do their own, you know, feud for a bit, which is great because... They are just a joy. Every week, I enjoy watching them. I love it, and I love them. Danielle? This week, for a lot of people, I think everybody's got theirs by now, but the new um, WWE video game has come out, and the reactions online have been hilarious. Um, From some of the mocap people pointing out, like, hey, here's this move I didn't think I was going to be able to pull off, and I did, or like, hey, here's this move. I didn't get it, y'all, and I see it, and I know why you're complaining. But one of the funniest ones was Dakota Kai (laughs) tweeted, wait, remind me exactly what my role is in the My Rise storyline. <laughs> and then a fan answered, you try and spread rumors about the female My Player on social media, you get Finn to help and you end up taking a lie detector test. Sorry if that's a spoiler for anybody playing the game. And she, her reply is, bro, what? <laughs> and essentially she says like, they just give me lines to say without context, so I didn't know what any of that was. <laughs> so it's very interesting and and funny watching people be like, wait, what is my storyline? Wait, what am I doing in this video game? Wait, why is my avatar not actually doing my moves right? That, that's not to say it doesn't sound like people are having a lot of fun with the game. 
But I just thought that that was really funny. Like those first week reactions whenever it comes out and like people posting all the botches and and all of like the stuff that doesn't work because they haven't quite patched it yet because it just came out. So I don't think patches are coming out until next week. Um, so the first two weeks are always the funnest whenever a new WWE game comes out. So uh, go ahead and follow that and you can watch. Gosh, there's one beautiful move where uh, someone's got the Undertaker doing like a little pirouette thing while he's like got someone balanced weird. It's great. <laughs> I always love this first week because I get to enjoy like people talking about a video game and all the things that aren't working. Yes. Lindsay. Uh-huh. I would like to put over Mr. Keith Lee um, on Talk is Jericho this week. Everyone loves Keith Lee. He's on Talk is Jericho. He's answering a whole bunch of questions that people have definitely had because <laughs> I've seen them asked on the internet. And yeah, it's just a really good listen. Fills in a lot of blanks. I don't. I wouldn't say there are any massive surprises, but it's always reassuring to hear someone tell their own side of the story. Love that for him. Love that journey for him. And I recommend you go and listen to it. Wonderful. I'm gonna couple up with Danielle. I got an early copy of of uh, 2K22 for review, and uh, it's really enjoyable. I actually uh, the last few 2Ks I did not enjoy to the point where I stopped buying them because just the mechanics were bad and it didn't. They didn't have a lot of flow. They have cleaned a lot of that up. Um, they still haven't figured out hair. Maybe take the money that you make off this and put it into developing better hair because long hair do care. Oh, they're it not. not uh, it's not going to be them anymore. Um, I think it's going to be EA. They already announced well, it. Well, whoever's doing ones. it, EA, yep. it's been laid out for you. I've laid it out for you to play it out. I, I also want to say this has maybe the best tutorial of any video game ever. Because it's Drew Gulak taking you through a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> as he shows oh, you the different maneuvers you have to pull off charming. and will comment on it as you're doing it, whether you are successful or unsuccessful. Uh, it is so much fun. It's so great. And you play as Rey Mysterio. So he's talking about uh, how how Rey Mysterio takes too many high risk moves and needs to stay on the ground. It's just perfect. Like I, I need more Drew Gulak in my life generally and that was a really pleasant surprise but the online play was also pretty good too i'm enjoying just continuing to find my way around it and for a button masher like me you can still win and that's the yeah really here it's more like part. a fighting game now um that it's, it's sort of a mix of everything I, the one thing that i really liked about the early early stuff was i knew directionally i knew what was going to be a suplex what was going to put them in a in a side headlock and this, it's a little bit less clear. You mm. sort of have to feel around for that. But it's still it's still really, really enjoyable. So uh, thumbs up to 2K22. And thank you for the free copy. EA, now the ball's in your court. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk, Danielle Radford, and Dan Sinker, along with me, Hal Lublin. Dan, such a pleasure to have you back. Always wonderful. Thank you for having me. Of course. Where would you like people to go to? I mean, not only should they be going to read the new Esquire article, but uh, any other things you want to promote? Uh, Definitely hit that Esquire article. If you're buying the print edition, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is on the cover. So that's how Mm -hmm. you know you found the right one. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Sinker. And every Wednesday I do the Says Who podcast, which is about current events with the amazing and funny Maureen Johnson. It's wonderful. If you're not listening, get on it because you know about it now. You can follow me at Hal Loveland everywhere. If I have stuff going on, that's where I'll tell you about it. Danielle? 
Um, yeah, follow me, uh, Danielle uh, Radford on Twitter. Yeah, I'm doing the TTRPG Colock, which is every Monday on the AMC Fear HQ network on um, Twitch. So you can find it there. Follow the hashtags. People are posting all kinds of cool stuff and theories and and art. And it's, you know, it's like a, a wacky, dark horror, sci-fi, everything. So uh, fantasy, check it out. It's really fun. Fun if you like things that maybe get a little dark sometimes. It's not necessarily one of like my more fun, haha, like TTRPGs, although there are like some really funny organic moments in there. What else? Yeah, just you can, you know, uh, keep watching Honest Trailers. That's how mama make her money. I also still, if you've been watching Two Sentence Horror Stories or if that's something that you are interested in, I did a companion podcast with the CW called Two Sentence Horror Stories, the podcast where we would interview a bunch of like great horror folks and people involved in the show. And it's really fun. And my co host Megan Rosati is pleasant as hell so get in there and do that and I think uh, yeah everything else will just be up on my thing I'm busy awesome Lindsay at Lindsay Kelk on the internet um come say hi but only if you're nice obviously we've been through this but yeah we'd love to hear from everyone I've got tons of stuff coming up that I can't really talk about yet but some tons of exciting things so stay tuned um and then mostly yeah I would like to put over both Dan's says says who podcast and it's merch because i routinely enjoy wearing my haunted mansion fanny pack and it has opened up some really fun conversations i will say it was a great friend to me during social distancing walks down so thank you that's amazing thank you for putting it into the world many people who were like if only we could eh which was just a beautiful moment so even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet firstly do and then secondly go check out that merch because it's beautiful it's beautiful yes our producer is the stone cold punter julian burrell Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Find links to all of our social media channels in the show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. We'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, Rashlin. about we wait and see if any news needs to come to me before i go looking for it just for one day only much like me and butts you just gotta wait for it to come to you oh you're not waiting for butts danielle come on (laughs) no who are you kidding you're the indiana jones of hunting down butts (laughs) this belongs in a museum (laughs) so many of them do maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported